Hello and welcome to the Laser Blast Film Society's first Star Wars podcast, which I have decided to name the Laser Blast Carabast Puncast. Uh, nope, nope, <laughs> that's, that's not going to happen. Well, the Laser Blast Catabast? What does that even mean? So Carabast, as you guys will soon learn from watching the cartoons, is actually a swear word in Star Wars. Uh, and uh, Puncast, because I do hope to end every episode uh, with a pun, just like every episode of Clone Wars begins with a uh, moral. So, uh, Matthew, considering that there's three of us, we can take a vote. Who votes to call it what Peter said? <laughs> Say I. The thing is, that, like, I wish the video was on, because you, I put my head in my hands the minute you start saying catabast. So here, here's the thing. I, this is known in the comedy scene as teeing it up, the opportunity to dunk on me, because I, I very much feel that that's what this, sh this show is going to be. And for those listening at home, the context is, for years, I was like everyone else and was like, the only Star Wars I care about is the original trilogy. And then finally, I started watching the cartoons. I can't even remember why. I think it was sick, and I started watching the Clone Wars cartoons. And uh, I was like, oh, this show is actually pretty great. And then I watched Rebels, and I was like, actually, this show is amazing. And I'm actually beginning to like these characters more than the original Star Wars I like them more is... than my real friends. All I need is Star Wars and nothing else. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, it became a bit of a joke among uh, Justin, Matthew, and our other friends that every time Star Wars is discussed, I was always bringing up these cartoon shows. Uh, actually, in the Clone Wars, it explains why that's good. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We should go around, though, and say what everyone's relationship with Star Wars is. We know that Peter's a big nerd and he loves Star Wars. Matthew, you're a big Star Wars fan, too, as well, right? Yeah, yeah, very much. I mean, I'm one of those people for whom I've always said that the uh, prequel trilogy doesn't exist for, for me. So this is a very confusing show to watch because <laughs> oh, they're all brand new to me. I don't know who they are. Never heard of them. It's never happened before. Um, Anakin Skywalker, I've never heard of him. Pretty sure he's referred to in, in Return of the Jedi. Obi-Wan this, this, Obi is brand new to me. I don't know who that is. I know about Ben You're Kenobi. Like, isn't Obi-Wan old? Like, who is this young guy? What's going on? That's the thing, right? I mean, as far as I'm concerned, uh, he dies in the first Star Wars movie. So I don't even know. I mean, it's confusing me. He's got, has has he traveled back in time, forward in time? It's it's just very confusing to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I love the original trilogy. You know, I grew up with it. Uh, the first video game I ever touched was that old set down Star Wars arcade machine. So it's just always been there for me. You know, it's just one of those cultural things that I, matters to me a lot. And uh, now I'm going to suffer through parts of it that I don't enjoy for reasons. For me, Star Wars, like every kid my age, I think it was a huge deal. I remember reading a Disney adventure, which I feel like RTD2 was probably on the cover. Like uh, George Lucas was like, oh, well, you know, I'm probably going to make uh, more Star Wars in like five to eight years. And I was like, oh, my God, it's going to take forever. But then they came out and it was being like slapped in the face. Did you did you not like the prequels when it came out? Talking to some fans. And I remember when I saw it, it was kind of a gradual reaction of like, oh, this isn't good. You know what? I liked The Phantom Menace because I was a child. Uh, but I remember I even found it pretty confusing. And by the time Attack of the Clones came out, I did not like it anymore. <laughs> Attack of the Clones, I was like, this is I, I'm in the exact same way. I saw um, Phantom Menace the once and I was like, yeah, it's good i guess and i really tried to like it but you know just everything about that movie i do not like even when i went to see attack of the clones yeah i couldn't even pretend to like it right i mean all that lyricism that um george lucas puts in you know that all the um 
sound of music type aspect, I just was, I, I remember people laughing in the theater. In fact, my mother was laughing in the theater when we saw it. So uh, I think we're all the same in that regard then too. Cause like, I, again, Phantom Menace was like, I think I like this. This is Star Wars, so I should like it. And then Attack of the Clones was like, this is kind of embarrassing. And then I remember Revenge of the Sith was more out of obligation than like any actual desire to be entertained. Oh, actually, I have to say though, and I don't want to touch on it too long because it doesn't exist anymore. It never happened. But the Clone Wars series that was done by Mr. Samurai Jack did get me excited for Revenge of the Sith. Oh yeah, these were the ones that were by uh, Jendi uh, Tartakovsky. That's right. And I was like, oh man, this, what's his name? Mr. Six Arms? Uh, General Grievous. <laughs> you know, he's so cool. I can't wait to see him in Revenge of the Sith. And at that point, like, it's George Lucas fucking with us, right? Because General Grievous in the cartoons is so badass fighting with like so many arms and in the movies like <coughs> i suck he's like do you know what you love wet coughs everybody loves a wet cough right like that's what we want to hear the kids are telling me they love wet coughing yeah actually was, uh, we sat down to watch uh the two episodes of cold wars which we will eventually go on to discuss and as i started watching our first episode i thought wait, I should have demanded we watch those Samurai Jack episodes first so that I could get away with not watching whatever this is. It would have, it would have definitely uh, delayed uh, delayed the pain that uh, is parts of season one. Uh, uh, we are going to be watching Clone Wars first, and we're going to be watching them in uh, chronological order, not broadcast order, because when the series was broadcast, they were kind of jumping around in time. The, the real idea and, and premise of the series was to emulate war serials. And therefore, that they, they would have a series of arcs that would be connected, but then otherwise, you could jump around to different parts of the war. And, and, uh, that, and, and so it, it made for, I think, a confusing watch to those who first uh, watched the series uh, live, potentially. I don't know. But yeah, we're going to do it chronologically. Make, I think it's, uh, it's, it'll be a little less painless. These first few episodes that are supposed to be earliest in the cr chronology, I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like... First of all, the guy who does the voiceover for the beginning and the general in that first episode, that guy, is that not the guy that used to give you your missions in those PS1 Medal of Honor games? Because that's all I could think of listening to him talk. I was like, oh man, it's like playing PS1. I mean, his yeah, it's Tom Kane. He's a prominent voice actor. Let's set the scene. Every episode of The Clone Wars, it starts with a guy doing his best uh, World War II, or as people our age know it, Starship Troopers. Yeah, news on the Mars. No Mars is Citizen Kane. <laughs> and they just give us a bunch of information that I'm like, I don't know what the hell's going on. This is not helping. If anything, it's more confusing. Well, in, in many ways, isn't that such a uh, such a beautiful tribute to the Phantom Menace's opening crawl? <laughs> yeah, trade federations are having tax problems. I actually think it's kind of a, um, a somewhat novel way of doing an opening crawl type you know, evoking the opening crawl concept without doing the opening crawl because it would take up extra time that they don't want to include to take up for a, a 30, 22 minute television show. Yeah, so we're, we're starting with episode 216, Cat and Mouse, directed by Kevin Dunleavy and written by Drew Z. Greenberg and Brian Larson. Wait, uh, what, what I wanted to get out of the way is that these characters are so ugly looking. I just hate looking at them. Okay, I mean, I, I won't defend the, the, the animation, in the, especially in the early seasons. It does get a lot better. But I actually am somewhat endeared by one element of the character design once I understood what the intention was. It's Thunderbirds. He's trying to do Jerry Anderson Thunderbirds. They are the most Team America ass looking characters like of anything. That's literally the design choice. And it was a very it was very much a George Lucas decision. 
because I think he always conceived of doing a Thunderbird style show with miniatures. You know, now that he was, you know, starting an animation arm, he he really wanted to pay tribute to that and uh, to that uh, art style. It wasn't like, can we do this cheaply? Well, yeah, that was. I mean, that was p- part of it as well. But at the same time, uh, this wasn't cheap. And as the show goes on the animation does actually get a lot more fluid and a lot more impressive while still working within the parameters of these blocky designs. Uh, but this was a show that George was literally tossing, you know, like he was losing money on it. I know I just invoked Citizen Kane, but it's literally like the speech in Citizen Kane when uh, Charles is like, yeah, I lost a million dollars this year. I'm going to lose a million dollars next year. Uh, and, you know, at this rate of a million dollars a year, I'll be broke in 60 years. Because like this show really George did... Lucas is never gonna... Oh, no. come on <laughs> well, <laughs> you i mean yeah no he uh but like he could have just kept making the show and and just pouring a ridiculous amount of money remember the the mandalorian which is finished now he was going to do a show like that himself and make a hundred episodes thank god he didn't thank <laughs> god the scripts are written though and kevin smith wrote i think 10 of them right oh yeah god i will say though that um i will talk to them talk to them soon enough about them soon enough but Show might not have been cheap, but the animators must have been like, so you're telling me most of the characters are clones? And they were so happy. And then the one guy was like, wait, I have to do a bunch of different haircuts? Yes, you're doing all the haircuts. But yeah, one thing I wanted to say as well, Peter, was that Jerry Anderson did not want to work with puppets. He was not getting up every morning and being like, ah, I love working with puppets. (laughs) He He only worked with puppets after the first few shows, because that's all Eddie would let him make. And as those shows go on, he uses more and more live action to the point where that last show that he made that bombed, it was like about a priest or something that's also like some sort of... You're talking about the creator of Thunderbirds, right, Matthew? Yes, Jerry Andrews, creator of Thunderbirds. The last show is almost all like shots of people from behind or shots of their hands doing things. Oh, that would be amazing if that happened to Clone Wars. Like it got cheaper and cheaper as it went along. Like it was all CG when you saw like Anakin face on, but anytime you like picked something up, it was just a real <laughs> something up. That would have totally killed. And do you know who'd be hard to be the hand? Hayden Christensen. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> Hand model Hayden Christian. Okay, so what's this episode about? I guess if you guys want an actual refresher of why the war is even happening, I'll do that quickly because that might be helpful. But basically, in the events of Attack of the Clones, unrest in the galaxy has gotten so bad that there's a group of uh, of people that want to, uh, uh, planets and systems that want to separate from the Republic. Why is that bad? That's the thing. It's bad because it's this, you know, it's when, it's like when Quebec threatens to separate from Canada and the rest of English Canada is like, no, stick around. Come on, stick around. But they're like, no, we, we, we want to kind of, you know, run our own systems. We think that the Republic is corrupt and slow. We just like to run things on our own. And that's the thing. The Republic aren't necessarily right. Like Starship Troopers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Starship Troopers. But the Separatists are sort of bankrolled by what is perceived to be a Sith presence of some sort. The Trade Federation uh, is involved and have built a bunch of robots. And these robots are invading. Sorry, you said Trade Federation. I fell asleep there. I know, I know. I, I literally said Trade Federation and began to like lose consciousness. Slot by exciting storyline for a children's TV program. The basic premise of it is that it's a forever war. It's a war with two disposable armies that is not really meant to end before until the person who's basically orchestrating the war plans to do a, a you know to seize power. Who is attacking who though? Like. What? Where is the conflict arising between these two groups? Or the Trade Federation basically le- is leading 
a separati separatist alliance. Instead of using their own soldiers, for the most part, they're using droids to fight battles and to take over planets. And and uh, the Republic, instead of sending their own armies in, are have have been given an army that they got under very unusual circumstances. And why I think one of the biggest problems with Attack of the Clones is that like no one ever stops to go like. Who paid for this army? We're just going to use this army. We have no idea who paid for it. That's very suspicious. And they just kind of accept it. It's Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. But they and they have a clone army. And so it's basically a war that's going on forever. And like a lot of, you know, wars, people at a certain point have kind of forgotten why it started. And, and many of the civilians and citizens in this war are kind of like, yeah, I guess this war is going on. But like, I, you know, that actually ties up, you know, I think George's message and 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 what he was trying to get at was that ultimately this is why the jedi fall and this is why things go wrong is because they're letting themselves perpetuate a war that shouldn't be happening it's like the republic like the trade federation are attacking places basically a separatist alliance is taking planets that have significant resources so that their team their system because they're gonna it, they basically want to move from the republic and set up their own empire not empire but like their own kind of place and so they want resources they want people to be on their side so they can be the most powerful force i think matthew has just like completely fallen asleep yeah i know he's completely tuned <laughs> I out mean, i mean i mean yeah i mean I, there's lots of ways to quibble this i mean separatists usually don't conquer other places they're usually more interested in claiming their own land but um sure you know fine okay the jedi are involved they're 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 neck deep in uh corruption yeah and they, and anyway this episode opens with basically the the, the republic is responding to Senator Bail Organa, Princess Leia's foster father. But anyway, Anakin's on his way with a fleet to break the blockade. He's about to break the blockade, uh, even though he's losing transports as he does it. And uh, Obi-Wan shows up and says, hold back, hold back. We've got a better idea. You're going you're gonna to just lose lives that way. Um, and they're also going up against uh, a, a specific uh, separatist, a guy named admiral trench what did you guys think about admiral trench uh he's a big tarantula man <laughs> i was very excited when i was like oh someone with spider legs but oh it just turned out to be an actual spider <laughs> <laughs> yeah i um both matthew and justin have been informed that at some point darth maul returns with spider legs and they're very excited to laugh at that this spider-man spider-man is constantly going like do a lot of the aliens make those noises? <laughs> exactly. He's like, do you know what kids love? People making disgusting noises with their sounds. With their sounds? With their mouths. I think that's <laughs> ASMR for George. <laughs> Is it? George is like, I love, I love wet coughs. It's horrible. I hated it. I hated this. Part. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very consistent with the wet cough. He, this George is like, like a weird there's nothing in this game. episode of Clone Wars that I can jack it to. And you know I need at least one. <laughs> Definitely don't type uh, Admiral Trench into DeviantArt. What? <laughs> I haven't I haven't checked. I'm just imagining. He's like pregnant with a bunch of other Admiral Trenches. Yeah, he's got all this got a hundred spider babies in his in his belly. So is this his only appearance? Because he seemingly blows up at the end of this episode. Well, the thing is about Star Wars, uh people blow up all the time and then they show up later. But <laughs> <Okay. laughs> like, oh. for a children's program. The way he just accepts his death. He like sees it coming, he's like, Well, I guess I'm gonna die, and just like what's it happen. Very very disturbing. Yeah, I mean he could have screamed uh, like an Admiral Piet, you know, like a uh, intensify forward shields now it's kind of like that that moment just need to come to peace with his immortality right at the end there but we've jumped way ahead they, the only reason why the jedi even know that admiral trench is on that ship even though i'm like look at the he's painted literally a spider logo on his on his I ship i love that his logo is a spider <laughs> he knows what he is man you know he flaunts it you've got to flaunt it 
but the reason they know he's a threat is because the human admiral on the ship, which is otherwise com- commanded, commandeered by entirely clones, like they're clone officers, clone troopers, but there is a human admiral, Wolf Ularen, and I mentioned his name because he actually is a character that goes all the way to the first Death Star. He's also voiced by uh, the guy who does the narration. Yeah, Tom so Kane does. It's, like, it's very confusing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, is this character, does he do the narration real world? But like, it's interesting because Ularen will appear throughout the series and like age over time. And then there's like an episode where they're like, oh, this is one of the last Clone Wars episodes. So let's immediately make him look like an old man so that he looks like he fits with A New Hope. Even though A New Hope is still 30 years away, it's like, I think he's got time to like, <laughs> to like get old. Just to confirm something, Pierre, as you're a personal Wikipedia, this is all canon, right? This is all canon. So when Disney bought Star Wars, they eliminated, apart from the movies, everything was decanonized. Anything in the expanded universe was like, it was considered a legend, even though that was already the case. George Lucas already had like tiers of canon where he said, listen, if it didn't happen in the movies, it didn't happen. It was movies, TV shows, books, and then video games. Comics and books were on the same page, I think. And it, except for the Marvel comics, which I think were the bo- at the very bottom because they didn't want a giant green rabbit walking around. Even though I've heard he has become canonized. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know in what, though. I don't know in what. It is kind of funny to me, though, that, you know, that they're like, okay, look, under no circumstances can Han Solo fight a giant uh, lemur or something like that. <laughs> it was an otter. It was an otter. However, totally fine for Anakin to blow up a giant spider. Both those things, <laughs> that makes sense. The other thing makes no sense. And you're like, why, though? Just look, it just does, okay? You know what? I fucking hate otters. I got a no otter policy. We're, we're referring to uh, a, a picture uh, uh, that I think was uh, the cover of a Star Wars Galaxy magazine back in the 90s where Han Solo is punching some type of uh, otter royalty. It's like an otter that's wearing, like, gems. Just imagining George Lucas looking at that, and he's like, okay, punching an otter makes sense, but the otters wearing jewelry? Unacceptable in my Star Wars. No, he was basically like, we've gone too far. I'm selling it to Disney. You know, no one had shown him that picture until 2014, and he was so, he literally retched and said, I'm selling this franchise. I can't be responsible for this thing. Yeah, he had the gun in his hands, and his crew kind of wrestled it out. <laughs> They're like, no, George, no! We could do something else! He's He's like, you don't understand though, George, that otter constantly makes a disgusting noise with its mouth. And he's like, mm, tell me more. So anyway, uh, Obi-Wan has shown up. He's got a special ship. It's a stealth ship. One of those classic uh, ships that in TV shows gets introduced and you're like, oh, I'm sure I hope they use that every episode. It'd be very useful. And then it never appears again. That ship is extremely sharp for something that's invisible. Someone could take their eye out just walking into it's it. It's a long spear, basically. And it can turn invisible to both the naked eye and to scanners. But it has the classic Star Trek problem of it. Ha- in order to fire its weapons, it has to uncloak and then it can fire its weapons. But they don't even, they're not even supposed to get into combat because they're supposed to just fly the ship past uh, the Armada and the blockade to the planet so they can give the supplies. Why would they put Anakin in charge of this? Like, they know he's going to attack or do something crazy. The characters say it in the show. Yeah, yes, again, yeah. Anakin has a reputation for recklessness in this episode, uh, very much cements it. And I mean, really, like, he could, he should be court-martialed for this. He unneededly, <laughs> needlessly um, compromised the mission, really could have died, could have destroyed a, a prototype, because at, what ends up happening is because Admiral Trench is getting impatient that nothing, you know, that the fleet is standing down and hasn't attacked yet, he sends out bombers to bomb the planet, and Anakin wants to distract him and stop him from bombing, so he immediately turns the ship around and starts to open fire 
at Admiral Trench. We should point out that this whole episode is just their chance to do their own submarine thing. I actually kind of appreciate that because, like, I like that sequence where they were, like, on the ship, the fires are coming towards them, there's that submarine I think that's a strength to this show, and I think if, you know, we've all watched The Mandalorian, I think it, it pays into that premise of like star wars i think is at its best when you're just taking like a very familiar generic formula and just applying it to space it just becomes more fun so what yeah what did you guys think of that Uh, i liked it i could see that this is going to be something we're going to run into a lot where it's like oh this is going to be like you know the heist episode or the romantic comedy episode (laughs) because that's the only way you can really approach something as sprawling of a narrative as this because like they don't really have any like big stories to tell this early on so it's like why not just do a submarine yeah one? i mean i i mean i i i appreciate that i i thought it was all right what i didn't really immediately already immediately didn't appreciate was just the terrible rapport between uh obi-wan and anakin where obi-wan is just kind of a smug dick and anakin is kind of a petulant dick you didn't like that little line where obi-wan is like might i remind you this was not the mission and anakin's like yeah you might and then he turns it off obi-wan such a wet blanket <laughs> What about Anakin's hello ugly? No. <laughs> when Trench calls him on the hologram, he just immediately, immediately species sames him. What is ugly in the Star Wars universe? Clearly like, Admiral Trench, I guess. What are people disgusted by? Yeah, he finds that ugly. Tarantulas, I guess. But yeah, I mean, not much actually happens in this episode. There's a bit of back and forth with Trench. And then, you know, it's kind of the, the oldest Emerson turn maneuver trick in the book. They basically uh, let Trench fire missiles bring his shields down so he can fire missiles at uh, Anakin and then he just turns the ship around and flies really close to Trench's ship so that the missiles hit him and as uh, Matthew already beautifully described he accepts death with open arms (laughs) (laughs) we all know spiders have nine lives no they have eight legs they have eight legs not nine lives I've been living my life wrong all these years (laughs) (laughs) wait a minute hang on a second Yes, they definitely have eight legs, but they have eight lives. I've never heard that. Is that like they have a? No, I just made it up now. Because you mentioned that he's coming back. Yeah, he is. He's coming back. He's gonna have a little cast and everything too. <laughs> wait, wait, what? So it's like the Star Wars universe, like cartoon bomb logic. That like a bomb can go in your face, and you'll just have like a little cast and maybe like some suit around your well, eyes. We have two different Schwarzenegger movies where that happened last night, so it clearly works. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say, just as the Nemoidians have offensive Japanese accents. George Lucas just loves paying tribute to 1940s serials and uh, including the Warner Brothers cartoons. So yeah, we get a little get a little bit of uh, zaniness. What did you think about the clone um, subplot? There's like a very minor clone subplot in this episode where a rookie named Spark joins the crew and there's some back banter between the two clones as they're kind of like, they're, they're the ones that kind of cue the audience that the fact that Anakin's kind of reckless and you should always expect the mission to go a little I crazy. I don't remember anything clone in this episode, because the next episode is so clone heavy. Well, I noticed about it was that in this episode, the clones also have, have slightly different armor, where the next episode, they don't really, which is an earlier episode, so that must have been something they start to do later. What they do do in, in, the, in the next episode, they have two clones that are fairly distinguished, and they just have different haircuts. Well, all the clones have different, terrible, new metal beards, which I found yeah, yes. awful. <laughs> I was like, first of all, you're already a clone, that's bad enough, but then Looking at another clone who has a fucking terrible, like, beard from, like, Limp Biscuit or some of that, you're like, hmm, I should get one of those. Bad idea, guys. Yeah, it kind of looks like they went a little crazy with in the Cyberpunk 2077 character generator. <laughs> yeah, they all have massive dicks. Put <laughs> 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 their armor. Lucas, everyone at Lucas, uh, LucasArts is like, we can't, we don't know how to fix it. 
So we're now describing The Hidden Enemy, which was directed by Stuart Lee and written by the same writer, uh, one of the same writers of the, the last episode, Drew Z. Greenberg. Oh, I, I forgot to bring this up. The, the, the episodes open up with these little, like, moral chestnuts. What did you guys think of those? Moral chestnuts? Like, they're like... uh remember them. Yeah, they're like... Uh, like, this one was... I, I don't think this is one of the better ones, but The Hidden Enemy was Truth Enlightens the Mind and Won't Always Bring Happiness to Your Heart. Okay. Sure. No, the first one we watched was a wise leader knows where to. Follow. How, did, how is that reflected in the episode? Yeah, I, I, I uh, this, yeah, I, I don't, I don't got an answer to that one. <laughs> I mean, because it sounds like Anakin wasn't, Anakin didn't follow. He just, he just did what he wanted to do, and he was right. <laughs> Who decided that every episode has to start with some moral? Do you think that was George? He's like, listen. You need to learn something. I think that was George. Absolutely George. Very much so. Yeah, they're like little fortune cookies uh, in terms of their like random, their, their wisdom that feels a little like auto-generated. But anyway, the second episode, they're on the same planet from the from the first one. Uh, they're planning an ambush and it immediately goes wrong. Kind of hilariously so. Like they didn't, they're like, oh, the droids are turning. And then it's like, oh, the droids are like literally in the building already and pouring out of elevators. And this is where you guys are. Okay, I need to bring this up now before we get further into the series but man battle droids they suck they're the yeah. worst <laughs> why do they keep building them i mean they do suck why do they keep building them but the th the question you guys will continually ask is why have they programmed them to feel pain <laughs> because throughout the series they will be cutting these droids and the droids are always going why no ow and it's just very disturbing. Has there not been an episode from the POV of a battle droid? That's wild to me in all of these seasons. The closest they come is there's this an arc about droids uh, that's from the perspective of R2-D2. And then there's an episode where they reprogram a battle droid and you're with that reprogrammed battle droid for much of the episode. I mean, it's the biggest problem with the Star Wars universe is that they they keep trying to reinforce that robots are basically people, but they're also like Saves. clearly <laughs> enslaved. <laughs> And I and there was one of the few interesting ideas in the solo movie is the idea that like there could be a robot uprising, which I feel like but they played it as a joke. Yeah, they played it as a joke. They didn't, they didn't take it seriously. Where this episode, I actually think, does take the the really like insidious implications of a clone army somewhat seriously. So let's. Well, get yeah, to I it. was going to ask, which was like the clones die like by the busload in the beginning of this episode. Like they're bothered about dying, right? They they're not like designed in a way where they're just like yes i'm dying they're bothered by dying i think insofar as that they don't want to they want to protect their brothers and they want to fulfill the mission how old are the clones though like when do they pop out of the clones are probably only a few years old they're, they're like because yeah they're only because they, they have accelerated growth so do they grow old accelerated as well like i won't spoil who but one clone does survive all the way into the original trilogy and he's an old man in the original trilogy era and uh, but anyway, we meet we meet two clones that will become big major clones in 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 the series, um, and that's Rex and Cody. Rex and Cody, like the sweet yeah. life of Rex and Cody. <laughs> yes, uh, and Rex Rex is the blue one. They're oh, in a hotel. Or something, or do they go on a boat? I can't remember. You guys talking? About? It's an ABC sitcom. No, I think it's a Disney sitcom, isn't it? Yeah, ABC is Disney. Yeah, Disney sitcom. Oh, ABC it was, is Disney. Um, yeah. No, no. It was Zach and Cody. It was the sweet life of Zach and Cody. You're thinking, now. which is very important. Just we, it's important to start this off, right? So, to, even though they're only a couple of years old, have the clones gone through puberty, or are they like 
Yeah, are they castrated like Master Chief, or are they like sexual beings? They do have pinups of what appears to be Padme in their best. Is Master Chief castrated? I, I believe that Master Chief is castrated. Yeah, I believe, I believe yes. they, that's inferred. So if a clone jacks up another clone, is it like they jack themselves <laughs> up, or this podcast is getting off to a great start? It's like would it just feel easiest in their life change the way they jacked each other off. That's the clones know each other so well that they probably know just how they like. Them. <laughs> so Cody, Rex, and R two are tasked with the investigation. And there's a break quite early in the case because they notice that a comlink was left on and a person is listening uh, in the hallway. They give chase and they run into a mess hall and it confirms that the spy is one of their brothers. They need to figure out who it is before the Jedi run into a trap. Uh, and they try to call the Jedi, but the Jedi are being jammed somehow by droids. Wait, when did the show realize that like Anakin and Obi-Wan suck and we don't have to keep cutting back to them doing something that we don't care about? Well, at a certain point, I actually do think the banter gets fun and it actually works. You okay. actually do buy them as friends, but it's real stiff, real stiff right now. It's definitely shades of that elevator sequence in Attack of the Clones where you're just like, oh my God. I even think between season one and season two, you can really feel how like flat the faces are in this episode compared to the first I, one. I noticed as well, the introduce a character called Ventress who just appears like we're supposed to know who they are. Are we supposed to know who they are by that point? She actually was introduced in and is one of the few things that was canonized from the Jendi Tartakovsky cartoon. Uh, she actually appears in, in that for the first time. It, her introduction actually appears in the Clone Wars movie, and it feels more like an introduction to that character. But chronologically, and for for Anakin and Obi-Wan, they know who Ventress is. They've heard about her. She's basically Count Dooku's... Obi-Wan and Ventress have, like, fucked, right? That's 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 the gist. There's I weird sexual tension between them every time they show up, and it's I don't believe they've had any romantic past, but there's definitely a bizarre. They they write it as if they do. Yeah, I think Ventress's outfit, by the way, is terrible. Like this model sucks. It's like she's in the bathing suit the whole time. She's a much better look as the show goes it's on. A beach planet like that one in uh, a Rogue a Rogue One, right? It's a beach planet. So maybe she just went to the beach though, and then she ran into Obi Wan yeah. and Anakin hanging out at Scarif. Oh God, Peter's saying names, and I'm like, what? Who? That's the Rogue One planet. That's the beach one. The planet. Do they do that classic <laughs> um, anime thing where every anime show has a beach episode? Do they do a beach episode? In you know Cold what? War? I don't they don't do a beach episode but they definitely there is an episode where you get to see like where the clones kind of go on leave to. It's not a beach though. It's like a bar. It's like they go to this bar and they and they like hang out in the bar. Yeah, but they're in like bikinis and stuff, right? And bathing suits. The whole point of a beach episode is seeing the characters in bathing suits. <laughs> no, no, I don't that that doesn't happen. Yeah, I don't believe that happens. The one thing I will say about this episode as well as you we were discussing there's cutting between um Anakin and Obi-Wan fighting Ventress, I guess, and these clones working out with the clones, is that every bit cut Pat back to a lightsaber fight, I was like, I don't care about this lightsaber fight, go back to the clones, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, I agree. That's definitely in this episode. I mean, the one the one detail I liked about the Ventress fight is that she starts throwing books around like Ray Liotta and Dungeon Siege. <laughs> but that was so lame. It's just like normal books. It's gonna like swap them out of the air. Well, it, I actually, it made me think, is this like the first time though books ever appeared in Star Wars? Oh, are you trying to say that like people can't read? The whole thing though about the last Jedi where people got really angry about there being books they were like books don't exist in Star Wars <laughs> yeah well they well they do in uh, the hidden enemy 
folks. Uh, at least I'm maybe like some real Star Wars nerds are like, no, those are book shaped weapons. People just stack them. Books. <laughs> They're not. You can't read them. They're just floating weapons that Jedi use. They're like the weirding way from David Lynch's Dune. Those are just like weird scrolls that they use to to power their sound. So getting back to the main plot where all the clones rockin', as Matthew said, limp biscuit like buzz. <laughs> yeah, they do that type of beard where it's like uh, uh, from one edge of the lip, there's a tiny line of beard. It's like even a clone should say to another clone, bro, don't fucking cut your facial hair like that. I know we all have to have a different type of facial hair. Otherwise, we can't tell each other apart. But just don't do that one. You know, the clones, they know that like dumb, dumb Gary has a really bad beard. But they like it because they know what not to do. They're like, oh, man, don't do what Dum Dum Gary does. But let's get a good laugh out of it because, you know, we could look that way. Also, once they put the helmets on, how do they even tell each other? Like, they have the same voices. It's like, it's like, which one are you? No, wait, which one are you? Like, it must just be extremely confusing to be in that army. I mean, over time, what you'll notice, uh, and as you kind of noticed it in the, in the first episode, is the clones actually do start to demarcate their armor with, like, specific insignias and details that do uh, give them some degree of difference otherwise they just have ct numbers i think that are printed on their armor in our brush which is the star wars uh out fake alphabet do you know that alphabet i have no idea no i'm not i'm not that hardcore i know it, i know when i see it like i know the character i recognize the characters but i could not they're like 25 letters is it just like a straight translation? it's it's just an english code yeah it's pretty much like one you know one. moving on basically what happens is they discover that uh slick one of the unique clones, his team is is the one under question, and then all that pretty much starts to turn on each other. But they pick the one who has scars, and they say he's probably the one that did it, right, Pierre? Yeah, they say yeah. They're, they're like Chopper, uh, you know, uh, you're suspicious because you're all acting all quiet. And one of the one of the troopers immediately starts to throw him under the bus because he got to the lunchroom a little late, and he does appear to be hiding something, and he's hiding battle droid fingers, which are like war souvenirs. He's collected from battle which apparently is illegal or frowned down upon for some reason and all the clones are really like uh this is really suspicious and really upset with him uh and he then takes that opportunity to turn it back in slick's face the superior officer of this unit and says actually slick you're the suspicious one and you've been really weird lately and slick kind of in a, a moment of defense lets it slip that he knows that the jedis went off on a secret mission and it's the classic classic moment when um, a traitor gets discovered where where he says i really wish you hadn't noticed that before he starts uh beating people up and escaping so one thing is um if if the if the guy's collecting the fingers of uh battle droids why would he be helping them is the idea he's like well i thought they might want their fingers back <laughs> yeah i i think i think it was weird it, it was a weird uh, jump to conclusions on the part of the clones i but i i I chalk it up as that they're suddenly paranoid and afraid that they'll be considered uh, unfaithful to the clone army. Uh, I think it shows the emotional immaturity, though, of these clones. They're adults, but they're ostensibly, you know, children. Is there ever a moment where the clones, they do that Marx Brothers bit where they're like in the mirror and it's just like no. another guy <laughs> pretending to be the other guy? Oh, okay, well podcast over. <laughs> That's all I'm waiting for. The, the fight scene that happens next, though, was the most action figures being clonked against each other battle we'd seen uh, so far. Like, it really was just like someone threw an action figure on the floor and they just hit the, hit the other action figure on top of it. I thought, ugh, not good. Yeah, because Slick runs around and he blows up some weapons depots and some tanks and then he, he breaks into the headquarters room and Cody and the Rex go in there and they notice that he's hiding in the vents but they 
they pretend not to notice in order to draw him out. And when they draw him out, not great writing. Pretty lame. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty dumb, simple strategy to to get the. I'm leaving the room now. Okay, see you later. I noticed as well when uh, Obi Wan and Anakin are driving towards the thing. They're talking like this. They're like, "We are driving towards the uh, other base. No one has stopped us." Yes, I agree. No, one... I was like, I understand this show is for fucking babies, but Jesus Christ, come on, give us something. I here. do think in that moment they were also trying to do, like that was attempting to be a kind of like self-aware banter where they're like, "So I guess it would be a trap." Yeah, but the then the jokes on them because we love traps sort of thing yeah we love traps s and m man <laughs> i love traps oh you can trap me Ooh, i hope something watching us get trapped i definitely agree that the uh the way these clones fight in these early seasons are are really like action figures being shoved together there's no very little fluidity to the animation i love the shot where it appears that slick break breaks rex's leg and it bends as far back as like a gi joe figure that you're twisting the uh the leg around on even though it seems his leg is fine because he's standing in the Yeah, but scene. George Lucas is standing in the corner going, I'm going bankrupt making this show. What else do you want from me? <laughs> well, it does get a lot better, but it's definitely clunky here. But yes, but we do get to kind of what I suppose is the, supposed to be like the emotional point of this episode, which is that Flick's point is that the clones are being used in a battle is nothing to do with them. And he was changing sides to make a point about the clones. It's, he didn't think it through very well. No, he, I mean, ultimately, I mean, they think that he did it for money, and he says that, sure, money was offered, but what's more important to me is is freedom, and that, you know, I don't want to be part of this army anymore. And so, you know, the, the problem there is, like, yeah, but, like, you, you could have just been, I guess, a deserter, which is something that happened, you know, becomes a, sub, a plot in another episode, uh, which I think handles this concept a lot better. Because, yeah, he was just dooming his his, his brothers, ostensibly, to needless death like there were there's probably another way around it but i do i do think it's interesting that again this is a children's show that is very early on enforcing the idea that the good guys are doing things that is complicated and largely insidious and also anakin and obi-wan suck right <laughs> that's the point of the show. yeah they're complicit <laughs> yeah, I mean, they do basically stand there to give the speech and kind of go, hmm, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, I mean, they just either ran out of money or just lost interest in their fight scene because it cuts from them like jumping off of this big thing to them just like walking and being like, hey, clones, what's going on? Yeah, they like jump a couple of speeders and just fly away. I'm like, very Jedi, like, very exciting. To be fair, there was like literally an army in front of them and it was only two Jedi. I mean, it's true. If this was the Jendi Tartofsky Sko, they would have just destroyed the, the, the army themselves because that's what uh his jedi did uh they're a little less overpowered as they were in that cartoon. um so my understanding is that we're going to go into the clone wars movie next so does that start the same way like it's it's they're on this planet and it continues on because i was interested and surprised that we went from the space battle to the planet even though those were different seasons and stuff like that so we'll just continue it actually does continue quite in order yeah i mean there will be time jumps but the the movie actually picks up from this planet and we will be all introduced to ahsoka tano as the world was introduced to her as a little kid that everybody hated at first and is now maybe one of the you know, I think uh, arguably one of the most popular characters. I am very excited to meet Baby Java. <laughs> yeah, the original attempt 
had a baby character, and uh, for whatever reason, they were like, "People want to see a baby Jabba." There's a baby Jabba. Yeah, baby. You wait. You don't know this? No, I didn't know it. No, there's a baby Jabba. Baby Jabba. It's not. It's Jabba's son. It's so. It's not Jabba. Jabba Junior. Jabba Junior. Which I love. It's just like Yoda is not. It, baby Yoda is not Yoda. I love that there's a baby Jabba. That's not Jabba. It's horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Don't. You know what? Don't. Um. Don't look it up. But just let let it happen. I did watch these first three episodes or release as a theatrical movie because it was clearly so good that George Lucas decided to release it in theaters. Yeah, he was really proud of uh, what they had accomplished. Um, so three episodes that were turned into a movie. It was yeah, it was basically three episodes that he then stitched together, and you really feel it. And in my opinion, the first episode is pretty good. That's the one where Ahsoka shows up, but and it kind of finishes this arc that we just watched. And then the the job the job of baby stuff is. Mild, mild, mild. Oh, people hate this. Like, this is, I think, this is one of the most <laughs> reviled Star Wars things short of the holiday Yeah, specials. people do not do not like the movie. Even Clone Wars fans don't like it. Uh, and, I, and as we come to the end of the podcast, I would like to offer a Star Wars pun. I will try to connect it with the episode we just watched. Uh, these puns were co written by myself and my friend Landon Zachheim, who's been sending me Star Wars puns all pandemic. And the pun is how the trench stole Christophus. Okay. <laughs> Matthew, I think you have something to say here. What was your friend called? <laughs> Landon Zachary. Landon, kill yourself. I made this. No, 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 I know. I, I came up with this pun. This pun is, Landon had nothing to do with this. Landon, buy a samurai sword, stand in front of Peter, and then push it through yourself, and then into Peter. So every episode, you'll hear me make a, uh, another Star Wars pun, and you'll hear Matthew threaten uh, my life. It's not threatening. I'm asking you just... <laughs> To end your own life. That's not a threat, right? Oh, wait. That's true. Is that That's how true. it works on Twitter if you tell somebody to kill? No, if you tell somebody to kill themselves on Twitter, then you get banned, right? Because it's a threat. Yeah, it is true. So I yeah. suppose it is threatening. So I guess I am banning myself from the podcast. Don't have to watch any more Clone Wars, everybody. <laughs> no, no, I forgive you. I forgive you guys next week when we get cloned up. Yeah.